Well, hey, brothers, this is Didact. It's been quite a long time since we've done a domain query episode, but uh, we've had a rather good question coming in this time around. So this is domain query, blue pill programming. And I am Didact. Very warm welcome, as always, to all of my loyal readers and my subscribers from the site. A very warm welcome to my Telegram channel subscribers as well who are listening in. Uh, if you haven't joined my Telegram channel, please make sure you check it out. There's an invitation link in the description box. There's an invitation link on my website. And I highly recommend you join the channel. It's got, I think, about 133 subscribers as of this recording. And it's a really cool community. Very respectful, very interactive, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Uh, everybody ribbing each other is basically just a bunch of guys shooting the shit. We actually do have a couple of women in the chat, I think, but they lurk. They don't really make their presence felt, uh, if ever. I'm sure they're just horrified by the, uh, the, the, the level of douchebaggery going on, but that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's very much a men's channel. Uh, no, you know, no spicy meme, well, not many spicy memes, no, no spicy content, really, but just, a bunch of guys interacting with each other, kind of discussing politics and current affairs, and uh, the odd video of dogs and cats doing what they do, which is a lot of fun. And you'll get regular updates, uh, regular information about the Ukraine war and geopolitics, and every night, basically, uh, unless I'm really, really sleepy and tired, I will do a... Um, I will do a spoken word update for my channel members. It's about 10 minutes long, up to 10 minutes long every time. And I will basically discuss what's happened during that day, during the given day. And I think that's of great value to the channel members. A lot of people seem to like it. So this domain query is actually from one of those channel members himself. This is from Reader MK, who is also a reader of the site. And he's a committed Christian, a young Christian uh, living in the United States. He's not native to the U.S., I don't think. But um, I won't, I'll spare his blushes. I won't uh, reveal anything more about him. But um, he wrote in to me with a very interesting question, which I am rather uniquely qualified to answer. So here's what he asked. He said, Dear Didact, I hope this missive finds you well, and I thank you again for your extensive response to my last domain query about... Uh, studies in, uh, in where he is. Uh, he wrote to me via email, so I, I responded back at some length. Uh, anyway, today I write to you on behalf of my friend, we'll call him Zed, which is a good, which is a good uh, certain um, letter to use because, of course, Operation Zed is the uh, call sign of the Russian Special Military Operation right now. So, Zed asked, with respect to the Bajit code phenomenon, whether or not Indian culture raises its men to be more gamma than the Anglosphere does. And I see his point. The act of Bajit coding, to shortcut code that sort of works for now, is how gammas deal with every problem. As one of the few men who understands both Indian culture and the SSH, what do you think? Is Zed onto something? Are Indian men more gamma than the Western norm? Since I intend to relay your response to him, I would strongly prefer something that can easily be easily shared as a response. Uh, thank you again for your time, for your work, especially that on the 404 war in Christ. And he signs off. Uh, thank you, my friend. This is uh, most appreciated. And uh, in you know, uh, 
Peace and uh, the peace of Christ be with you as well, and peace of Christ be with all of my brothers uh, in the Didactic Mind community. Thank you as always for all of your help and support, and for reading my work. Uh, you don't have to do it, but I do appreciate it. I don't do this stuff for anybody but myself, but I'm always happy to entertain questions and queries from the readership itself. Now, with respect to the Pajit code phenomenon, well, what is a Pajit? It's a, it's, a, it's a very derogatory term. It's a hilarious term, but it's a very derogatory term for Indians. And uh, if you look up what it is on urbandictionary.com or other places, you will get an eyeful of information about what a Pajit is and why it is such a bad thing. I mean, basically think of your typical Indian dork, you know, you're unfit, out of shape, uh, really whipped, doesn't, you know, ever stray out of line, doesn't have an independent thought, uh, only kind of does what his culture and his society tells him to do. And I do think, to be very honest, uh, our our friend's friend has a point here. I do think that this habit of taking shortcuts in Indian society is reflective of the overall mindset. Now, to understand what's going on, you have to understand how gammas are formed and you have to understand why, what implications that holds for Indian society. A gamma male is passive-aggressive, snarky, conflict-avoidant, uh, seeks the shortcuts, and thinks of himself as the secret king, the, the, the one who can never be wrong. There is a psychological complex at work in every gamma male that essentially uh, derives from childhood insecurities, deep, very deep childhood insecurities and really comes from a lack of a profoundly strong male role model or template. A man in the house who could teach that child how to be assertive and be strong and be capable on his own. This also tends to happen very frequently when you have boys raised with weak fathers and overbearing mothers. Now, this is exactly the mix that you get in India. Okay, Indian society is full of this sort of thing, and it's a very, very serious problem. Anyone who's ever been to India, I mean, seriously been to India, and really, you know, gone beyond all the tourist spots and, and actually talked to Indian men, cannot help but be shocked by just how uh, passive and weak many of them are. It's, it's different. It's a different quality from what you find with the Japanese. Um, with the Japanese, you find a different type of passivity, particularly among young male Japanese today. It's the passivity that comes from a society that has kind of stopped caring about how to reproduce. And it's the passivity of a society that essentially says, you know, you have these strictures that you must stay in, and if you stray beyond them, then you are dysfunctional or de deficient in some way. Indian society has a different set of problems. Indian, Indians come from a very hierarchical, rigid, caste-based system. Still, to this day, it's still a huge problem. It, they come from a culture where 
there are extremely powerful uh, peer pressures and religious and societal pressures on being a certain way. And there is a very clear path mapped out for most Indian young men throughout their lives. They don't really get a whole lot of say in what they want to be. There is an absolute obsession with status and power and position. There's a phrase among people who know Indian culture about if you put an Indian in a room, in a social setting, in a party, within 10 minutes he'll know exactly whose ass he has to kiss. That's actually pretty accurate, I would say. Again, I'm talking in very broad generalizations. This is not all Indians. Uh, if people get offended by, well, you're being incredibly racist. No, I'm not. <laughs> this is just the reality of dealing with Indians. Uh, and yes, I am rather uniquely qualified to talk about it. Again, not all Indians are like this. There are plenty of exceptions. You'll find them. But there does appear to be a problem in Indian society where this lack of male strength comes from somewhere. And it always comes with respect to gamatu, that always comes from an overbearing mother of some kind in the household. Indian society is very matriarchal by nature and by definition, and here's why. From basically the time that he's old enough to understand what his parents are telling him, his mother is constantly on his ass to do well in school, get a good job, and marry a nice girl. I mean, these are the three things an Indian man must do, an Indian male must do in order to, to, to have arrived in life. Well, okay, what does doing well in school mean? It means you must become an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant. Anything else is unacceptable. Uh, you, you failed your, your society and your people if you don't get the best grades. And when I say the best grades, you don't, Westerners don't understand how insanely competitive, insanely so, India has become. It is very possible to get 97% in the Indian high school certificate uh, ISC exams and not get into the top universities in the country. I'm not joking about that. The top universities in the country really these days only accept people with like 99% results. And in a country of 1.4 billion people with like 300 million young people in it, that's an enormous pool of fresh college graduates coming in every year to the 30 or so IITs, Indian Institutes of Technology, and the other very, very elite colleges of which there are only a handful throughout the entire country. Uh, these are acceptance rates that, you know, Harvard and Stanford uh, think of as absurd. Uh, Indian, like the top level Indian graduates look at American, elite American and British universities as safety schools. I'm not joking about that. But the price to pay for this wanton overachievement in school is an absolute focus on studies at the expense of everything else. And when you only study, only focus on studies to the neglect of everything else, of course, you have a very poorly developed person. You have a very uh, badly developed, stunted, emotionally, physically, mentally stunted man. That's a fact. I mean, 
I went through some very, very rigorous uh, secondary studies myself, but they were much more broad-based. They wasn't just, you know, math, science all the time. I had to learn language. I had to study history. I had to do a, you know, I had to do community service. At the time, I thought it was all a giant waste of uh, time. But since then, looking back, I can understand that it did serve to make me a more well-rounded, autodidactic, if you will, type of person. Someone who could look at uh, a book and learn from it and absorb the information and, and carry on. That's not how Indians think. Indians are taught by rote learning, right? So whenever people say India is full of these super geniuses who can solve any problem, no, they can't. The vast majority of them can only repeat what they're told because that's their entire system of education. Combine that with the fact that um, an Indian man or an Indian male throughout his life is told that he must get a good job. Like I said, doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, uh, scientist, government official to some extent. Lord help you if you want to start your own business and become an entrepreneur. Well, you failed. You, you, know, you haven't chosen the safe path. You're, you're going to fail by definition. What's, what's wrong with you? Um, if you happen to secure a visa to go overseas, oh, you've arrived. This is fantastic. You're done. You've done well for yourself. But you want to start your own business. You want to grind out for yourself and build something and try something different. No, no, no. That's ridiculous. What's wrong with you? I mean, is it? Waste of time and money. You'll, you'll fail. It's, that's, that's the way Indians think. I know. I mean, I've advised Indians on, or people from an Indian background who are like, I'm thinking of starting my own business. Dude, I'm not sure what I should do. What do you think? I'm like, dude, go for it. Just go. Just do it. You have to take the risk. But remember, what is a gamma? Very, very risk averse. By definition, a gamma is extremely risk averse. Whereas, Alphas thrive on risk, and that's why you'll find very, very few Indian alphas. Now, add to this mix, this emphasis on marry a woman. Just you know, get married. Married to someone of your own social standing and caste and rank and uh, have kids and you know, live happily ever after. The problem is the SSM in India, the, the, actually the sexual and marriage marketplaces in India, are disasters. Now, I've written about this at some length. Uh, if you if you go look on my website, you'll find uh, a couple of articles which are still kind of all-time hits, if you will. And they talk about, um, you know, a, a single dude in India and a non-defensive Indian girls. Uh, those, those are the two posts. And they, I mean, to this day, they still generate some uh, traffic and commentary you know, years after I wrote them. I mean, it's been, what, eight-some years since I wrote them. And they're still just as true today as they were back then. The SM, the, yeah, the SMP and the MMP in India are just disasters. I mean, it, it is slim pickings for an Indian man. And most Indian men are used to their parents picking out their women for them. So look at the course of an Indian man's life. Most of it is pre-decided for him. He doesn't have anything that he can kind of choose for himself. Not really. I mean, if you think about it, um, the, the course of his life is set out for him. And God help him if he fails. I mean, if he stumbles and falls, you know, it's like the world has ended for him. If he loses his job or he, uh, his business collapses or uh, he fails in his studies, oh boy, I mean... 
he is in for a world of pain and hurt uh, because his entire social circle will basically shun him. Uh, it's a very terrible place to be. But the, the thing is, failure is how you learn. I mean, take it from somebody who's failed harder and more often than you can possibly imagine. I've talked about those failures for years and I've come out of it on the other side much more humble. Admittedly, I probably don't sound like it. Fair enough. But much more circumspect, much more willing actually to try different things and take risks because I know I got too comfortable where I was and uh, got my ass shot off in, in the process. A lot of Indians aren't willing to take those risks. And a lot of Indian men just aren't willing to risk at all. They're not willing to try new things and new ideas. This is why you go to uh, see Indians in, you know, outside of their home country. And they're in, let's say, the US or the UK or anywhere else. They eat the same way in those countries as they do in India. They insist on eating the exact same foods because they won't deviate from their original diet. I remember working, you know, a big, bad Globo Homo Bank number two and sitting in the cafeteria in at lunchtime during winter because it was too bloody cold to go outside. And I'd go out and buy, I don't know, a salad or uh, something from Chipotle and come back and sit down and eat it. And that was fine. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was proper food. And I would see Indians sitting there eating reheated curry and, and, and stuff that their wives packed for them. They had no say in it, none whatsoever. So when you look at the way that Indians code, and believe me, I know I've had to debug or deal with the results of Indian code for a long time. It's not surprising that they code the way they do. So many readers from my site can share horror stories of having to deal with the consequences of Indian code ineptitude. And it's just, it's awful. These guys don't code well. They write sloppy code with lots of shortcuts in it that take, that takes ages to debug. There is very little by way of tracking or commentary. You have no idea what it was they were trying to do because they don't explain the code design. They, try essentially to copy something out of a recipe book that they find on the internet, and that's their equivalent of coding. Well, it's like, no. The way you learn how to code, and again, take it from someone who's largely self-taught in programming, I can program in up to eight different languages. I'm very good with R, VBA, and uh, a couple of proprietary programming languages, and also with, um, I, you know, I, I have experience in MATLAB, Python, C++, Java, JavaScript, and uh, SQL. So you know, take it from somebody who's experienced with all of these languages. Until and unless you actually have to sit down and solve a problem on your own without, you know, just stealing it off the internet and really think through how to get a data structure to work in a programming language, you don't know how to code. It's the same with life. It's the same with girls. It's the same with fitness, with food, with just generally having a decent life until and unless you sit down and think through it and you tackle the problems head on, you're never going to succeed. It does not matter how smart you think you are. You're not ready for the real world until you're actually in the real world. 
And that is something that Indian society does not prepare Indian men for very well at all. It just doesn't. This is the sad reality, unfortunately, of Indian male society. And again, I'm not trying to be overly harsh about Indians. I'm, I'm not trying to put them down as uh, terrible people because they're not. They have many wonderful qualities. They really do. I mean, they're incredibly warm, really welcoming, very kind, very hospitable. There are lots of good things about their culture and their society. It's not one that I wouldn't want to live in. It's not one that most people outside of India would want to live in. But there are plenty of wonderful things about these people. It's just, it's such a pity that they come from a culture that holds them back so much. There is a reason why India is India and Russia is Russia. The two cultures are completely different in terms of their tolerance for risk, their willingness to let people succeed or fail on their own merits, and their willingness to try new ideas and new things and build new relationships and explore things in areas where they wouldn't normally go. The Russians have that appetite. The Americans really have that appetite. That's the reason why America is what it is or was. And today, it's a collapsing, broken, decayed empire. But it used to be this amazing nation of innovation and creativity and absolute magnificent wonders that, you know, the, the people of the country were always asking, what can we try next? What can we innovate? What, 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 what haven't we tried yet? Indians don't think like that, by and large. The, the very, very tiny, extremely tiny, like 0.001% of them at the very top do think like this. But again, they're extremely rare. And you will find that if you look at the SSH in terms of proportions, if you look at the Alpha, Bravo, Delta, Gamma, Omega uh, kind of categorizations, it used to be that gammas were a relative minority in society. In Western society, they're now at least 25% of all men, and probably a lot more than that at this point. Um, in Indian society, it's probably more like 40%, and I'm not exaggerating about that. It's probably about 40%. Most Indian boys hate physical exercise, hate physical activity. You'll see the skinny fat look pretty much everywhere you go. It's endemic throughout India. Uh, they they don't like confrontation, whether it's verbal or physical. They don't do well under stress. They don't think outside of the box. They only read from scripts. And that's why, you know, anybody who's ever had to deal with an Indian call center knows what I'm talking about. It's a horrible experience. They, they can't deviate from what you tell them to do. And the moment they actually have to think for themselves, like, oh, shit, what do I do now? They don't know. Because their whole society, their whole culture pretty much tells them what to think and what to do and how to do it and where to go. And, you know, it's, it's a very sad situation. And only those Indians who kind of managed to break away from the matrix and have taken some serious red pill suppositories tend to have the ability to look objectively at that culture and say, you know what, I don't want any part of that. Um, there are people like me who can look at that culture and say objectively, hey, there are some very, very good things about it. There are some wonderful things about the people, absolutely. And there are some absolutely terrible things about it. The Indians themselves, though, get very defensive, extremely defensive, the moment you criticize them. They really do have a massive gamma complex. And if you don't believe me, go check out a channel on YouTube called The Frustrated Indian, which is, I mean, it's a geopolitics channel, but it's completely bonkers. I mean, 
the the stuff that they talk about on there about China and India and how India is a great power and it's it's going to eat China's lunch. I'm like, okay, uh, where are you getting your analysis from, pal? I mean, the stuff that they say on that channel bears absolutely no resemblance to the reality on the ground. When you actually look at what China's doing or what Russia's doing or what Pakistan is doing or what any of these other countries in the neighborhood are doing in reality, this one channel has no relation to reality whatsoever. And yet millions of people, certainly hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people in India look at the output of that channel and its online uh, blog and say, this is the gospel truth. No, no, bloody isn't. It's just not. It's, it's really just not. They really do live in this kind of uh, reality distorting force field. And it's very sad because there's so much potential in that country. Uh, I want to finish off with one brief thought because I, I do come at this from the perspective of a Christian. What would happen if you could get rid of the Indian fatalism that is so much a part and parcel of Hindu culture and open them up to Christianity? The, the real true understanding of spiritual enlightenment of the true nature of God, because Indians don't understand God. I mean, they have this very universalist conception of God, that God is the universe and the universe is all loving. And, you know, um, it's a very remote sort of wishy-washy concept, as most of Hinduism is wishy-washy. Hinduism literally is a take what you want or build your own religion sort of uh, ethos. Christianity is the exact opposite. Christianity says, this is the way things are, and it's the only religion anywhere on earth that truly explains the problem of evil and how to solve it. Hinduism can't do that because it doesn't understand evil, because it doesn't understand God. So without that understanding, you can't have a proper mental framework from which to work and to understand the world. Hinduism doesn't offer that. What if you could lift millions and millions of people out of the endless cycle of rebirth and reincarnation and, you know, works-based salvation that is Hinduism or Buddhism or pretty much any other religion and move them into a faith-based system in which you have salvation through grace alone, through faith alone, through scripture alone. What happens then? You end up with a society that is fundamentally transformed from one that places its faith or that, that places its hopes in the works of men to one that turns its views toward God, that wants to be clean and purified and good for God's sake, not for man's sake. Imagine a society like that and you'll see a society that actually cares about its neighbors and cares about the appearance and cleanliness of the streets, about hygiene, about basic human decency to for, of, of man toward his fellow man. You don't get that in India today. There is a reason why India is so backward. And I, my, in my personal view, it is Hinduism. Uh, a lot of Indians would, would view that as a, a massive personal attack. Uh, it's not. I mean, if an Indian sat down and was honest with himself, he would admit that actually the country has some very serious problems. And they stem from a, an ingrained religious and hierarchical social system 
that does not allow for freedom and for responsibility. There's, remember, as always, freedom and responsibility go together. Freedom, as I've said so many times before, and it's not even my original idea, freedom is not the right to do as you please. Freedom is the substitution of discipline imposed from within for discipline imposed from without. You subject yourself to discipline of your own making, and that is what gives you freedom. That is true freedom. That's not the freedom that Hinduism offers, though. Hinduism offers works-based freedom, where it's an illusion of freedom, where you do things and you make yourself free. Now, it doesn't work that way. This is the core essence of Indian psychology, and it's the reason why so many of them are gammas. They don't take responsibility for themselves. If you don't take responsibility for yourself, you can't stop being a gamma. If you can't stop being a gamma, you're going to pass that on to your son, most likely. And you're not going to break the cycle. And it's going to take something really terrible to shake Indian society out of that. Some, some, something very fundamental has to change in Indian society to stop this from happening. And I don't know what that is, and I hope they never have to confront it. Because, I mean, that's, that's a very selfish wish. Uh, because I have some idea at a very personal level what it takes to overcome these things. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's a price worth paying. I absolutely gladly pay it, but it's not something you'd want to force on an entire society. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I hope that helps. Um, that should provide a reasonable set of points to spark off a discussion. Keep in mind that essentially, yes, there is a very big gamma problem in India. Yes, it encompasses a very, very large subsector of the or uh, proportion of the population. Yes, the results that you see from Indian coding or Indian behavior is a direct result of all of this. And the roots of it are this emphasis on doing things rather than taking responsibility uh, for yourself, you know, doing things that are expected of you and required of you rather than taking responsibility for yourself and acting you know, of your own free will. Uh, living according to a set of rules imposed on you by society and not being given the opportunity to, to try things and fail on your own and learn and develop and grow and always looking to take shortcuts because that's the only way you can get back to, you know, what is expected of you. So that's it from me. Thank you very much to MK for the question. I really appreciate him sending that over. Like I said, please join my Telegram channel. Please make sure you are subscribed to the site. Uh, there's a link to subscribe via uh, email so you'll never miss another post or another podcast. And please make sure you subscribe over on Podbean as well, which is where this podcast is hosted. Thank you very much. This has been Domain Query Blue Pill Programming, and I am Didact, signing off.